our lesson from Ephesians chapter 10. We've been studying in prayer meeting the marvelous letter of Paul to the church in Ephesus and also to all the churches of Christ down through the ages. This is the lesson of Ephesians, that we are to mature in Christ, that we are to know and that we are to grow. It's the message of the wealth and the walk and the warfare of the Christian. Our great heritage in Christ, our determination to live for him, and our struggle against the enemy. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, we read these words, and I'm reading from the Amplified New Testament. In conclusion, be strong in the Lord, be empowered through your union with him, draw your strength from him, that strength which his boundless might provides. Put on God's whole armor, the armor of a heavily armed soldier which God supplies, that you may be able successfully to stand up against all the strategies and the deceits of the devil. For we are not wrestling with flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the despotisms, against the powers, against the master spirits who are the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spirit of forces of wickedness in supernatural spheres. Therefore, put on God's complete armor that you may be able to resist and stand your ground on the evil day of danger. And having done all the crisis demands, stand firmly in your place, Stand, therefore, hold your ground, having tightened the belt of truth around your loins, having put on the breastplate of integrity and moral rectitude and right standing with God, having shod your feet in preparation to face the enemy with firm-footed stability, the promptness and the readiness produced by the good news of the gospel of peace, Lift up, over all of, lift up over all the shield of saving faith upon which you can quench all the flaming missiles of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword which the Spirit wields, which is the word of God. Pray at all times, on every occasion, in every season, in the Spirit, with all manner of prayer and entreaty. To that end, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance, interceding in behalf of all the saints, and also for me, that freedom of utterance may be given me, that I may open my mouth to proclaim boldly the mystery of the good news of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly and courageously as I ought to do. Amen. May God bless to our understanding this important reading from his word. The Apostle Paul was in prison in Rome, and he was chained to a Roman soldier. He was writing the letter to this Christian church back in Ephesus. He had been there and established the gospel 
under great and ad, under very adverse circumstances. You remember the great temple of Diana of the Ephesians was there? And you remember that a great riot occurred when Paul was there? You remember also that Paul in his preaching in that place saw great victory brought to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, now Paul begins to think about the church and the things which he encountered back there in Ephesus. And he is manacled to a Roman soldier by a chain. We're told that in verse 20 of chapter 6, that he is an ambassador in chains. Now, every Christian is an ambassador for Jesus Christ. If we belong to the Lord Jesus, we are his representatives. We are his envoy. We are not to represent ourselves. We are to represent him. And that's important for us to remember. And so Paul is an ambassador for Christ. And being chained to this Roman soldier, and I've often thought that I've envied those soldiers more than any emperor Rome ever had. Think of what it would mean to be chained to Paul and the things that you could learn. Well, Paul being chained to a Roman soldier, must have witnessed to those soldiers. Many of those soldiers must have been converted. And Paul, in looking at the armor which they wore, thought about the Christian in his struggle. He thought about how the Christian all of his life in his ministry for Jesus Christ is going to be faced with a militant enemy, one who is to be taken seriously and one whose work can do great harm and danger. And so when he thinks about this, he looks at Ephesus and he sees behind the scenes invisible hosts of spiritual enemies that are at work in the world. And they're at work in this world too. They're in this chapel. They come here. They seek to overthrow the work of Jesus Christ Satan is dedicated to that. He is a fallen angel, and all of his minions, his demons, are set about to do nothing but to destroy and to harm and to bring hurt to the follower of Jesus Christ. He is called by the Lord Jesus a liar. He is called a murderer. Peter tells us that Satan goes about like a lion. He is referred to as a serpent. He is referred to as an angel of light. He is referred to as the God of this age. And so all of these things are told us in Scripture so that we may take Satan seriously and so that we may take spiritual warfare seriously. Now, if you have a strong enemy and you're going into battle, you need to know something about the armor that you possess and the weapons with which you are to fight you can get something of an idea of what we're up against by looking at the kind of armor. We are told to have the girdle of truth. Satan is the father of lies. I doubt if there is an adult person in this entire chapel who has not at one time or another been hurt by someone's lie. A Christian should not lie. A Christian should tell the truth. Even when it hurts him, he should tell the truth. The devil is the father of lies, and he hurts us by bringing slander upon us. And so 
we need the belt of truth. We need integrity. We need it greatly in our lives. We need the truth of the Word of God controlling our lives. And Paul is going to emphasize this even more later on. Just uh, this past week, I watched on television an interview by David Hartman and Steve Bell with Mr. and Mrs. Bert Lance. And I don't think I ever saw a more powerful and eloquent testimony for Christ than Mrs. Lance gave on national television. Now, of course, they have been the objects of enormous publicity. You stop and think about how you're hurt by criticism. I know how it hurts me. And when you stop and think that every day the newspaper is filled with your picture and the television is filled with your picture and with your family and what it does to them and the criticism that's there. And David Hartman said this, how have you dealt with this? Now this is an exact transcription. I taped it and had it transcribed. This is what Mrs. Lance said. I think more than anything else, and maybe this is our opportunity. Maybe this is why we're doing this program now. It's another statement of faith. Even in the very worst circumstances, no one is able to stand alone. You have to have something or someone stronger and mightier than you. And for us, it has been Christ. I could have never stood or held my children or held up birth the few times I tried to or held my head up. The only time I had really sunk and the only time that I had been terribly cross and screaming and yelling would be when I'd forgotten the Lord. As soon as I would remember my Lord and remember Christ and know that if he could die on a cross for us, he took our sins, he set us free, he gave us an eternal life for all those that believe in him. I knew that somehow the strength and the faith that he had given me by his grace would make me able to stand and to take more than this. And this really has not even been our greatest crisis. What a magnificent testimony. She was saying that God was working his purposes out even when slander came against them, even when lies came against them, that they could rely upon truth and Bert Lance deferred to her faith. He said, my wife's faith held the children together and me together in the midst of the criticism through which they had been faced. Now that's something of the girdle of truth, something of the breastplate of righteousness. That's the righteousness that we receive by faith in Jesus Christ, which also means moral rectitude in our own lives. If we have lived righteously before the Lord, then we can fight against that enemy by having this great breastplate of righteousness to protect the vital parts of our being. Righteousness is right thinking and right living and right doing. I remember once reading the story of a very wealthy man who had an opportunity to do something that was just dishonest 
but it would have been, meant the means of his making a great fortune. He told his mother about it, and his mother said to him, You know, ever since you were a little boy, I have taught you to kneel down at night and to say your prayers and to reflect back over the day and what you had done and what you were going to do and to let your conscience be clear before God. If you can do this thing and be clear before God, do it. But if you can't, then you won't sleep and things won't be right with you. That made the decision for him and he took a righteous way a way that meant less money, but meant that he had peace inside his soul. Those of us who claim the name of Christ need to live a righteous life, one of right thinking and of right living before others. Paul says that the Christian soldiers should be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, I like this because the Christian is not to be the instrument of antagonism he is not to be the instrument of destruction. Paul had started this whole letter by telling how God was calling out a people unto himself, even before the foundation of the world, and how he is still calling people unto himself. The devil's business is to destroy. The devil's business is to wreak havoc between a husband and his wife, between a parent and his child to come into a deacon's meeting or a session meeting or a committee meeting and to wreak havoc by sowing the seeds of discord and of hatred. But the gospel is the gospel of peace. But we are to be prepared. These shoes of the gospel of peace, those were like the cleats that a football player has to give him the ability to turn sharply uh, and to move decisively and quickly. I thought that that lady the other day, Mrs. Lance, in that magnificent testimony, she must have been prepared in her own heart to make such a testimony for Christ on national television. And she wasn't afraid to call him by name Christ and to speak boldly of her personal faith in him. And I don't know how many mealy-mouthed, coward preachers I've seen who wouldn't even pray in the name of Jesus. And if you don't pray in the name of Jesus, forget it. Your prayer is not going to get there on your name, I'll promise you. We can only get to God through Jesus Christ and be bold for him. And here this woman was bold for him, shod with the gospel, determined to honor Christ. And so she had a great witnessing there. And by the way, a witnessing Christian is a Christian who, who is going to not be defeated by Satan. I had a great football coach out in Texas, Raymond Berry Sr. And Coach Berry had a very simple philosophy about football. He said the best defense is a 20-point lead. <laughs> uh, and, and that's good. And be prepared with the gospel. Move out and witness for Jesus Christ. And when you do, you see remarkable results. The other night when you saw on national television, if you watched the baseball game and you saw that outfielder going straight to the fence to catch a ball he hit that fence in a way that uh, should have crippled him up but he was able to rebound from it and to get up and go uh, it's amazing when you keep in shape and you're on the offensive for christ what can be done 
Jean Crawford, and I hope you'll read that enclosure uh, in our bulletin today, that excerpt from the letter from her out in Korea on the offensive for Christ. Uh, Joe Hopper and Dot Hopper on the offensive for Christ. They're prepared, they're witnessing for him to a world that's lost apart from Christ. I wish we had time to go through all of these. The shield of faith. Faith is so important. Oh, we stop to think about it. John 3.36 says, He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. You cannot be saved without faith in Christ. 1 John 5, 4 says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. You cannot live a life of victory apart from faith in Christ. Hebrews 11:6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You cannot please God without faith. I have people who come to me often and say, what does God want me to do? I can answer it very simply. He wants you to believe him, to trust him, to have faith in him. Even when you're sick, even when you lose your job, even when your kids go bad, even when things are not right in the circumstances of your world, he wants you to trust him. He wants you to honor him by faith. Those shields of faith were not a little round shield, but a shield that was wide and high that a Roman soldier could stand behind and could even interlock with another soldier so that they could go forward into battle in a very impressive array. And that's tremendous. Christians need to interlock their shields of faith and to go forward to fight against Satan. When I think of this time of the year, out in the part of western Texas where I lived, they cut Milo about this time of the year, maize crop. And up in Minnesota and other places, they're cutting grain. And when they cut that grain this time of the year, it can be up high. I remember once reading a story of how a little girl had been lost in one of the huge grain fields. And they could not find her. They searched diligently, and night was coming on, and they knew that it would be a frosty, cold night. And the father was frantic. And the sheriff who was leading the group, finally after they had, had scattered forces looking all night long, said, we have got to join hands and go like a combine through one side and up the other side and down one row and back up, holding hands so that we don't miss a thing. And after having frittered away most of the night, they did join hands. And it was a cold, bitterly cold night. And in the early hours of the morning, they found the little child, stiff and frozen in death. And the father screamed out tragically, Oh, God, if we had only joined hands sooner. And when I think about that, I'm ready to join hands with other Christians in witnessing for Jesus Christ, to bear a testimony by him 
the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, may the mind of Christ my Savior live in me from day to day. This means that the mind of Christ is to possess me. We have so much of the world round about us. One of my doctor friends called me the other night on the phone and he said, turn on the television to channel 13. He said, look at this sick program on sex, soap. And he said, right, Mark Cohen, who is our local TV man, and I hope he's listening, and, and tell him about it. I wrote him and I got a letter back and he said, you wouldn't want religious censorship. I wrote him back. We already have religious censorship. We already have it. Mormons can't practice polygamy. Snake handlers can't handle snakes. You can't offer up human sacrifices. And all for good reason. And there's certain trash and sick sex that ought not to be put forward on television in the name of the First Amendment because it's destructive. And you're not enforcing censorship in that strict sense of the word when you apply it to a standard there. And isn't it interesting that a doctor should be calling a preacher to tell him to protest? Some of our doctors today are stronger witnesses for the Christ than many of us who are in the gospel ministry. And when I think about this business of spiritual warfare, I was thinking yesterday, I know a psychiatrist at Duke. I know a psychiatrist who graduated from Princeton. I know a psychiatrist from Harvard Medical School. All three who believe in the existence of demons and the work of Satan and have seen it. They're coming back to preach what the preachers have stopped preaching. Satan is alive and well and active. And so we need the helmet of salvation to control our mind. That's saving faith, to get the trash out of our mind. To get the trash out of our mind, and we need the offensive weapon, which is the sword of the Spirit. This is the weapon which Jesus used when Satan came against him in the time of temptation. I wonder how many people here read the Bible every day and study it to learn from the Bible where your values are, what your decisions should be, and how you can make decisions in that day that will bring honor to God. I've often thought that if I had the money, I would buy a column in the newspaper right alongside the astrology column. And I would put scripture in there. I would fight the devil, just like Elijah at Mount Carmel. Put, put scripture in there. People read that stupid astrology column uh, that is inspired and directed by the devil. They read that. Seeking guidance for the day. They go hang their dumb signs under which they were born up in the church. How idiotic can you get? Go back and read the Bible. Live by the Bible. People don't even know it anymore. That's what's wrong. We need to know the Word of God. We need the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit acts to deflect the weapons that are used against us, and the sword of the Spirit is offensive. 
so that we can use it. This is what we need desperately today. And it's one of the reasons that I want to say this. And then I have to stop the energy that we look for here is prayer. He says, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Always praying because Satan is always at work. We are to always be in prayer. When Corrie Tin Boom, and when people talk about Christians who are biblical Christians who have not suffered, I think about that Johnny that we had here in the wheelchair, the paraplegic who gave her testimony to Christ, radiant, lovely Christian woman. I think about Corrie Tin Boom suffering under the Nazis. And Corrie, when she was here, said that we have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And she said we have the communication, we have the radio with God, which is prayer. That we commune with him in prayer to receive our orders for what we are to do. This is some of the equipment of the Christian soldier. All of us here need it. And if we are armed with it, Think of how we could move out in the world and what we could really accomplish for Jesus Christ. Let us bow in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we talk a good fight, and now we have to walk out of this church and engage in living for Jesus Christ. We pray that you will prompt in our minds and hearts by the Holy Spirit following us from this place, a desire not to play with you, or to, not to play fun and games with the scriptures, but to look into the reality of the serious conflict in which we are engaged, and to be determined that we shall be yielded to the Lordship of Christ, and that we shall take this armor which you have for us, and that we shall do battle that will bring honor to your name against the foe, and that we shall keep ourselves from being defeated by him by hanging on to the armor which you have given to us and using it effectively. Create within us, O oh God, a deep dissatisfaction with anything that is less than the best for Jesus Christ and help us to live for his glory. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father in the communion and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, our teacher and our guide, be and abide with you all, now and forevermore.